Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. This episode is brought to us by Mike the Strongman. Are you tired of getting your training and nutrition advice from someone with only a weekend certification? Then perhaps it's time to turn to someone with over 15 years of research-based experience. Mike the Strongman can help you with all your training and nutrition needs. Mike has a proven track record of getting results with his clients. Visit MikeTheStrongMan.com for more information or email Mike at MikeTheStrongMan at gmail.com if you're ready to take your performance to the next level. This episode is also brought to us by the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. The Healthiest You Chiropractic Center in Strongsville, Ohio is dedicated to giving their patient community the highest level of health care. Their doctors have been trained on the newest and most innovative styles of chiropractic and rehabilitative treatment. From back pain to ankle strains, the Healthiest You has remedies for a variety of injuries. Are you looking to perform better in life and activity? Their team takes a wellness-based approach on health rather than only focusing on symptoms such as pain. Call 440-238-3338 or email them at thychiro, that's T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O, at gmail.com for questions about becoming a patient. Now is a better time than ever to become the healthiest you. And last but not least, this episode is brought to us by CrossFit Strongsville. CrossFit Strongsville is a place where everyday people become heroes every day. Through qualified coaching, challenging yet modifiable exercise programming, and a supportive community unlike any other, members find a way to break through personal barriers physically, mentally, and emotionally. No matter what level you're at, from the very beginner to the elite, you'll find you receive great service from the moment you walk through the door, and we promise it will be one of the best hours of your day. Check out CrossFitStrongsville.com for more information and to sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with the owner, a 12-year veteran of the fitness and therapy fields. Okay, folks, we have back with us today my good friend, Agent Tom. He was excited to come on the podcast the first time, and he definitely enjoyed himself and wanted to come back on another time, so we finally got a chance to sit down and make that happen. And today's topic was a lot of fun. You know, we normally kind of talk about these things. We get together anyway, so it's it's normal for us. We're just kind of sharing with everybody else, obviously. But we started off in a really interesting way. And we both of us have been getting outside and doing some more activities recently. Like I've been doing some mountain biking, and he's been doing some kayaking. And both of us kind of feel this the same way about it. You know, it's it's. Most of our lives are stuck indoors. I mean, for me at least. I mean, some people probably outside a lot more than I am, but I, I'm inside most of the time. So for me, it's so nice to get out in the woods, and it's a good time to just zone out and just not think about anything and the stresses of life or anything else going on and just be at that moment. And that's a lot of fun. And uh, he, he's kind of he's having the same kind of experiences. It's being outside kayaking with his wife and having a good time. And then, uh, of course, we got into firearms talk and training and all all that kind of good stuff, which is what we normally talk about. <laughs> it's it's kind of common for us. But anyway, we had a great conversation. Hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I know that I did. So sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us Agent Tom. Tom, how are we doing, sir? We're doing splendid today. Splendid is always a good thing. Splendid with a <laughs> touch of old age. Well, yeah, we always have that, that's for sure. I definitely notice more and more as I get out of bed, like I ache more. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for my geriatric slippers in a few years. Well, hopefully not get there. Hopefully not too quickly, at least. So what's up, man? How, how you been? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing fine. I meant uh, so. I mean, like I, we were talking earlier, I went out and went out and tried good old uh, kayaking. So you went kayaking yesterday. We were talking about that before we started the podcast here. A little sore from that. Yeah, yeah I'm feeling my age. <laughs> the funny thing is, my 17 uh, year old daughter is, is crying about how sore she is, and I'm looking at her going. Geez, wait till you get to be 50. <laughs> we'll see how you do. Well, the funny thing, though, is like with, with her at her age, if she went out like two or three times a week, like in about two weeks, she wouldn't feel it at all. It'd just be normal. Well, whereas, yeah. whereas as we get older, it's like you have to do it a lot longer than that before it feels normal. No, she'll fill it to about noon today and she'll be out with her friends. I'll <laughs> fill it for the next two days. Tomorrow will be worse than today. This is very true. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's. I'm looking at her going, you don't know the half of it. Wait to it. Wait till you get my age. So I, I, we were kind of talking before the podcast was started as well. It's like, I've noticed that that seems to be like a huge thing. It's just popped up over the last couple of years. It just, every, every time you drive down the street, you see people's, you know, kayak racks on top of their cars and kayaks and people are going and taking pictures and posts on social media and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't remember that a few years ago. I mean, it just seems like all of a sudden it's just popped out of nowhere. Well, you heard about it, and people ask you, hey, you want to go kayaking? You're like, kayaking? Why would we want to do that? You know, we, it was traditionally up here canoeing. And then, like you said, everybody, you start seeing them in the back of trucks, yeah. on top of racks. And then, uh, you know, now all my friends are, I, I went out and bought a kayak. I'm like, where are you going to do that at? Because most of the time in the streams, you got to put in, and then you got to go down the stream. And who picks you up at the end? You exactly. walk back? It was like back when I was in high school, we used to go to Mohican and go canoeing. We'd like ditch the last day of school. We'd go out like in the in the summertime and all that kind of stuff. And and yeah, you'd, like you go to the livery, you know, and you'd you'd rent the canoe and you'd paddle down like a you know a half or a full or whatever it was, how many how many miles you wanted to go, and then you'd get out. They'd load the canoes up on a little trailer and you'd ride a bus back up to livery and you go home. It was fun. It was like it was a good afternoon. It's it's the same, but only you get your kayak. And the yeah, down, we're, downside we're, of kayak is you're doing all the rowing. You don't have a buddy to, to row when you get tired. It's, it's not even just that, but like you had said, it's like you literally you get somewhere and then, oh, shit, I got to go back. Oh, yeah. So you better not get tired on the way out because well, that's I went, only half the trip. I went with a family, and I found out one thing about the kayak, right, that you can't do with the canoe is you can go back upstream with the kayak pretty easily versus, I mean, it's work. I mean, you have to paddle all the time. You can get upstream, like when they get stuck somewhere. It's easier than the canoe. Oh, a lot easier. Really? Yes, yes. You can... I've never really kayaked, so I don't know. I've only really ever canoe. Only if it if if it's in the the place where it's kind of calm and it's just flowing, you can go up up river. The hard part is where it gets to the the places where it's really flowing. You know, the rapids and things like that. Yeah. Well, luckily, there's not too much of that around here in Northeast Ohio. So no, but this year, I mean, it was amazing in in uh, down at the Mohican in that river. Uh, how many trees were crashed across it and they just cut little holes through it. So it really, the advantage was for the kayak because the canoers 
they they would go through it and it would channel the water and make a you know pretty good flow and it would just run them up into the side of the on, on the bank really oh they were like spinning i mean <laughs> the one guy said to me he goes everybody in my crew everybody in my crew two or three of us fell two or three times even in the kayak it's hard to do in a canoe yeah, oh yeah it's hard yeah, to tip yeah. a canoe oh they did it <laughs> i mean it was it was all the way down there there's people you know, getting stuck in those between the trees. And a lot of them were like limbs just below the surface. So the canoe would get sideways and the water would hit it and they would, you know, try to jostle off of it. Around they go. Yeah. And we had so much rain earlier this year, too. It's just those rivers really were bad. up so much. Well, for the most, for the, we tried to do this in spring and uh, a lot of times it was closed for the weeks at a time. It was pretty much closed all spring. So my wife is, you know, she's kind of like this thing. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So she's like, oh, we're going to go on the 15-mile one. I'm like, okay. Yeah, we're going to go. Let's go whole hog. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't want no panda bear. You're going to be a grizzly. So <laughs> out we go. And, you know, the last time we did it, I think we did the five-mile one, and we were done in an hour. Uh, my son likes to make it, you know, an all-out, you know, he-man competition where it's like chase and hit each other and it's bumper canoes. Boys tend to do that a lot. Yeah, so you know, so that's what we did last time. So my wife's like, "Well, let's do 15." Man, I tell you what, when I got done with that 15, I was like, "Oh boy, <laughs> I couldn't even get out of the I couldn't get out of the kayak." They had like, you know, get one of those little baskets you see in the swimming pools to pull me out. Yeah, was like everything hurt. <laughs> well, it's like also we were talking about before we started recording here. It's like I've gotten into mountain biking recently. Oh yeah, and it's like I I went years ago. And every time I went out, I was just ass over elbows, over the top of my bike, over the bars, off the side, falling off like hills. And just, I was like, okay, this isn't safe. I need to stop this. And then uh, I picked it back up this year and we got a couple of friends and we're going out with them. And I mean, mostly by myself, but sometimes all the two or three of us can get together. It depends on schedules or what have you, but it's just, it's been nice to get outside. You know, it's like, yes. it's a wonderful thing. It's like, I'm stuck inside most of the week at work. And then I go to the gym and I'm still inside. We, yeah, we can open the big garage doors and we can see outside. And we get some breeze and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. It's like a big but, tease. You know, you're sitting there yeah, all day at work, calling you out, come out, come out. You go to work out, yeah. come out, come out. You're never outside. It has been so good mentally to just get outside and do something. And plus, I mean, I've really enjoyed mountain biking because when you're flying down the trail, and you, especially when you're going downhill, and you got some speed on you a little bit, and you got trees on either side. It's like you have to focus. Yes. And there's nothing else I can think about in that moment. So it's like I mean, it's it's getting into the little bit of that flow state. Like you well, hear also a lot gets of a little bit of your about. adrenaline going. Exactly, of course, because yeah. there are consequences if you screw up. Oh, bad one. It's like last week I went out to the knob, a vultures knob here in, in Worcester, and it was it was really interesting because like that's one of the toughest courses in Ohio. I think Mohican is number one, and then Vulture's Knob is number two. And they've made it a lot better than it was like a decade ago or whatever it was. Oh, no, decade when ago. I it was not existent. No, no, it was there. Yeah, but it was, it was it like, was, it was, it's nothing like it is now. It was kind of trails where you rode on. Now they actually got thing, you know, difficulty built into them. Well, well, um, the Knob, like, that's where it was mm-hmm. all at. Like, all the difficult spots were right. there, whereas a lot right. of the trails were more, like you said, just yeah. kind of flowing through I mean, the you woods. Got, you got difficulty by the terrain, but yeah. they didn't. Now these devious people are are building in, you know, you know, different parts and different pieces of it where you actually have to do have some skill to get around them yeah, and over but, them. But trust me when I say like the knob was like the one place mm-hmm. that had all that built in like a right. decade ago, and it's actually more mild now 
than it was then. It's actually easier to ride, which yeah. is hilarious because I can remember like when I first got started, I remember going out on a trail day to get to know some of the guys and to learn the course and to just ask questions. I was a noob. I didn't know what I was doing. And like I know, you show like, up with your huffy, and they're all like, "Well, what are you doing?" Well, I know what this. I know what this means. Like, you need a good coach. You need someone mm-hmm. who's going to teach you oh, how yeah. to do stuff. Like, I've been watching tons of videos, and like, yeah, you right. can learn certain things, but it's it's only a little bit compared to what you can actually learn from somebody out on a right. course. There's no adrenaline when you're watching on a video. Well, I don't know about that. Some of those, <laughs> yeah. like my hands start to sweat. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm just like, saying, when you're standing shit. up there looking, going, "I'm going to do that," <laughs> and you go, "Man, that looked easy." And you're like, they're looking at you and laughing. And they're like, "That's the bunny hill, dude." Yeah, <laughs> luckily I have zero problems walking down that stuff because because <laughs> when I first went out, every time I went down stuff like that, I mm-hmm. ended up on my ass. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So I, I've got zero problems walking down some of that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like holding on the tree listen this is the beginner you know look at that one over there oh my god yeah but it's just it's it's so good to get out in the woods and just again there's nothing right. else you can think about you've got to focus on what you're doing because if not you'll get hurt because like two weeks ago at the knob i came around this corner and there was this uh, little bridge it was maybe two foot wide mm-hmm. it just had like a what do they call those like a corrugated plastic drain right it was like 24 inches and just had some like some wood and some dirt and stuff kind of packed on the top of it just to let the correct yep. kind of just flow through that little area so i come around this corner a stick hits me in the face so in, i mean i've got a helmet on with a little visor mm-hmm. and i've got glasses on because i mean i value my eyes and i saw and nothing was going to hurt me but it's instinctively you kind of look away right so so oh shit so i look away and i, and I look back and i see that I'm like oh no oh, oh no and I'm close. i hit the brakes but i'm i'm kind of veering off to the left and i was like and i go down in the ditch and then i kind of like pop over my bars so i, I had slowed enough and when i kind of hit the ditch i kind of stopped uh-huh. And then it's, it just kind of like flung me forward. So I've got my hands uh-huh. out to catch me like Superman style. So I've got my hands on that side of the little bank, and i got my feet on this side of the little like, bank. And I the get, water flowing underneath you. It's, it's, I mean, it's a little quick. I yeah. mean, it's barely a trickle, you know, but it's like, I mean, I'm like, I'm Superman and out. I've got the bike in between me. I'm like, oh, shit. How do I get out of this? How do I get out? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm there by myself. <laughs> so you, you, it's just you, hilarious. In the back of your mind, you've got that uh, robot from when we were kids, lost in space. Danger, danger. <laughs> So oh, eventually yeah. I kind of like scurry out of it, no big deal. And I, I go walk back up the trail and I pull down the stupid stick that hit me in the face and I throw that off the side of the, the trail. And I was like, and I rode back down it, rode over it and just kept going. But <laughs> I was um, like, you're not getting me next time. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. It's like, oh yeah. shit. Like, but it's, it's just, it's been fun. It's, it's been a new challenge. It's, it's interesting. It's exciting. But I, I love the fact that again, there are consequences. You've oh. got to focus on what you're doing. Yep. Which, it's just, again, it's 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 kind of become meditation. Mm-hmm. You hear people doing that with yoga or just getting out in the woods and going for hikes. Right. Well, I don't mind doing that. But the problem is is that it doesn't have that singular focus. Whereas, you know, when you're hiking, like, yeah, you can kind of get lost out there and you can do some meditating and you can calm your mind and do some of that stuff. I get it. But it's just not the same as flying down there at 10, 16, 15, 12, whatever miles an hour with trees on the side going – don't screw up. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. Yeah, yeah. and there's no adrenaline walk, hiking. No, no, exactly not. But it's it, that's still nice to get out into nature, and it's oh, calming, yeah. and it's fun. And, and I, I've realized as, as I've gotten older, I need that. Yeah, I, I do it all the time. 
I do it all the time. I have two German Shepherds, and I take them out for walks. And, you know, you can only go around the park so many times, and the dogs are looking at you like, what What are we doing here? So yeah. a lot of times I'll well, take them out. Well, the problem there is those are smart dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas like, most dogs would just be like, hey, I'm happy to be outside. Yeah, they're like, outside. This yeah, is they're good. Like, there's, no, there's nothing to chase here. Yeah, and, and those dogs, they need work. So yes, like, you've, yes. you've got to wear them out, or they're just going to be rambunctious. Well, you, we did one at the park, and it was down at Plum Creek, which is up, it's all up downs and, you know, trails that go everywhere. But we did uh, tracking with her, and talk about a workout. You get two two or three German Shepherds, and, you know, my son got to play the the little kid that gets, uh, gets lost, and he goes out in the woods and gets lost. And so you take the dogs, and you say, you know, get them to the trail, and you tell them, seek, 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 and it's like, the race is on talk about you know it's they, they're just pulling and they're just running and the person we had is a little bit she's devious so she she'll put like a sock up in the tree and with their scent yeah their scent so they got a path of their scent where they're going and little objects like in real life people take off stuff lose stuff so they'll she'll take them you know a mile through the woods and man when you get when you find the kid you're over there just <gasps> 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 You know, it's like they just, I mean, they get into that zone kind of like you were saying with your bike, but they just got that nose scent and they, they're just off there running. You got three of them and you're just kind of like, you're just running for your life behind them because if you fall, you're going to, you're going to be drugging like one of those Western movies behind the horse. <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's kind of what they're bred for. I mean, that, oh that's, yeah. That's what, they, that's what they live for. That, that's, that's their whole and, life. So. And their, their smell is just so phenomenal. It's, I mean, it was, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they had talked about a dog's smell. Mm-hmm. Compared to a human smell, they say it's what like thirty to forty times greater. Yeah, I mean, something it, astronomical yeah. like that. And the way they say is, you know how we can smell a skunk from right. you know, like a mile away or whatever. Right. That's how they smell everything. And not only they smell everything like that, is they can differentiate yeah, between things. They can pinpoint. Yes. So give you an example of this. So you know, I was trying to figure out what the limitations of them were. So I set up. I went out and got socks, and I set up a. It was during Easter. So we're going to have like 20 little kids coming over in our, our yard and running around. So I had a certain person that wasn't going to be in the, in the backyard. We got we got different articles of clothing. And we had them walk the, the route through the backyard all the way to the front yard. So I got like an acre and a half of land. So it's a pretty good course through there, into the woods, out of the woods, in the open areas, by trees, all the way to the front. So then they walked it, and then they walked the same course back, and then... Four hours later, after we had the Easter egg hunt, where little, like a million little kids are running around in the backyard for four hours after they left, we took her out and we first bag, you know, we had the the scent in the bag. We let her smell it, and she found every Easter egg all the way around the around the house. In after four hours of kids out there just running everywhere, yeah, it was amazing. That's, that's interesting. I, because if you like, you know, it's like going go into your kitchen and, and and tell me what pepperoni smells like with everything else cooking in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, she's, I mean, it's just their their smells is just something out of this world. I mean, the, what they can do, and I've even heard of them tracking, you know, uh, twenty four hours afterwards. So it was just an interesting thing to see how their smell goes after. You know, you run all this stuff over it. It really is amazing when you do think about it. Mm-hmm. They're 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 just something else. I mean, in you know what kind of what brought up the whole thing about tracking and things like that. I got a grandmother that's, she. I mean, she's got kind of old timer slash dementia, and she gets out of the house. So you just she just you know, who knows where she goes. So the dog, you know, is like a. She usually gets about a forty five minute head start, and then I take the dog down there, and we get one of her article clothes and say seek seek seek, and man. 
the the race is on. It's the older <laughs> I get, the, the more I get there about ready to die. Well, I mean, that just is a, a testament that we all need to stay in shape as we oh, get yeah. older, and we got we got to work harder and do that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I don't do nearly as much cardio as I should, and I found right. that out very quickly on the mountain bike trails. Because like I have a hard oh, time yeah. making it up in the hills, and then when I do get up the hills, I gotta hang out for a second, <laughs> get your breath back. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've, there's there's shape and there's German Shepherd shape, but I don't know if we're ever getting that shape. We may not get get there again, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. better is is always yeah. a good thing. <laughs> you don't have to take so many breaks for me to throw up. Exactly. <laughs> so what's been going on with uh, shooting? Have you been out shooting this year? Yeah, this year's been a slow year. I, I've been the co-director of IDPA. And so I've been doing more of the brain, brainchild stuff yeah, and of work, of, working of up it. the courses and setting up and tearing down and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And Which, I've I've been kind of lazy this year and haven't I haven't even been out to shoot yet, let alone a match. So it's it's been a tough year for me. Then there's you know we so we've set up a few of them. I I've I've kind of shot a few parts of them. Just you know what courses kind of uh, interest me. So I I shoot some of them, but. Uh, you know, the funny thing is a lot of times I don't, you know, you know me, I don't care about scores and everything like that. So sometimes I just shoot with the SOs and if an SO doesn't make it, I just shoot and somebody likes puts down their score. Yeah, because I think, I think there was a match last year that I had signed up and then it, it was oh, like, oh, that's right. It was like supposed to rain or something like that. So I just, I just bailed and didn't show up and, and uh, it ended up being like a perfect day, I think. Right, right. But, uh. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to miss like a whole day at the at the gym or whatever to, to go out and get rained on. Like, I'm 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 kind of over that point in my training. I'm, so, I've done enough of that over the years. So, so you miss it, and all of a sudden you get all these texts. Congratulations! <laughs> wow, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, well, like you're, you're being an asshole. You're like, hey, you did really good today. You got second. Yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, I know. that's better than I ever do. Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, wow. You get these congratulations. How you, man? I can't believe you came in second place. I didn't remember seeing you. Now, granted, I, I ever since I shot your PCC at that PCC yeah. match, what was it like three years ago? Now? Oh yeah, yeah, probably something like that. Ever ever since I shot that, I'm like, holy shit, I need one of these. Right. It's like so. So, so we built one that following spring, I think. Yep. I, think I accumulated parts over the winter. You bought parts here and there and there and there. Well, I don't know about that because I was I was looking, 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 right. doing a lot of research and asking you questions and watching right. videos and doing all that kind of. Stuff oh, I, I remember that, and, and I bought my lower, and I and mm-hmm. I knew which one I wanted. Right, I wanted the best one. I was like, if we're gonna if we're gonna go, let's do it right. Do right. it once, buy once, cry once, and be done with it. Instead of dicking well, around with all the stupid shit. Well, remember the whole controversy: is it do we do a Glock or do we do a Colt? What's the difference? Well, that What's one, the advantage? that one was a super easy decision for me right. because, like, I love the idea of the Glock mags because mm-hmm. I shoot Glocks. I already right. have some, so that would be nice, mm-hmm. but. I wanted it to operate like my AR. And if it wasn't right. going to operate like my AR, there's no point in having it. Then it's just a play toy. Same, I wanted, same thought I had. Exactly. I wanted it to be practiced for my right. actual rifle, but right. it's a lot cheaper to shoot. And I can take it to more ranges because most I can't shoot indoor with a rifle because most backstops can't handle that. Whereas I can take that now to indoor range, let people shoot that platform, right. see if they like it, because it's just a nine millimeter. It's no well, big deal. Also, in your indoors with a two two three, I mean, it is loud. You get you, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of power in a small. It's a lot of indoor. energy. Yeah, it's, it's a, lot, a of lot, energy. lot of energy. You take a nine millimeter in there, you just you know you, you you don't feel like you've been abused when you walk out of the place, especially when you get in those those you know like some of the devious people <laughs> where you're shooting through a tunnel with a two two three. Yeah, especially some of these smaller barrel ones with the with with the um, the muzzle brakes going out and up and 
you shoot that inside of a tunnel, you you feel the the back blast from it. Oh yeah, because it's like so. I was like doing all that research and looking and asking you questions, probably driving oh, yeah. you crazy. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> but it is. I'm I'm a nerd. I can't help it. I, well, I when I get into stuff, I really get into stuff. But then I I can remember. <laughs> Uh, getting online, and I found this website by accident almost, and they had like a deal of the day or whatever, and they had like 30, that. And like 30 things on sale, and I'm like, oh, well, I need that, I need that, that's a great price on that, I need that, I'm like, so I just started adding to my cart, and, I, and then I right. went to the, like the, uh, the regular site, and I was like looking, and like all the stuff that I've been looking at for months now, and it's like all the same price or better for almost everything, so right. I was like... I literally like filled my shopping cart. Remember what like, I told you? Look for the sales. Yeah, I, was don't, like, I don't. literally bought like ninety percent of the rifle, like yeah, I mean, from, like that that day. I was just like just added all the cart. I'm like, holy shit, this is all great. Well, yeah, and then you did your upper was arrow, your lower was arrow, and your handguards were arrow, which really made assembly really easily. Yeah, I mean, really easy. Sorry. And that was the thing is like again buy once cry once get good stuff. Right. I, don't, I don't need to get like top of the line super expensive stuff, but I wanted to get good quality things. Right, middle but, of the road. Yeah, dependable. But they also had like a big handguard that I like that fit right. my hand a little bit better. But what right, I what right. I loved Remember about our discussion it, on that one. What I loved about it is it didn't have like the quad rail. Yes, because like everybody has quad rail, and I get it; it's fine, but it's it's hard to hold on to. Well, also, this isn't a combat gun. No, this is a tr- this is a gun you're going to use to do competitions or training. So why why spend the money to get a quad well rail that you're never going to use? Yeah, but and like it also has the was it the M lock system? Yes, yeah, so, so you I, can put I it can on put there. little sections of rail if I wanted to add right. a light or a laser mm-hmm. or, or whatever on the front, which I don't. Right, I don't care. I just want to hold on to the thing and shoot the darn thing. It's like right. I'm very much a simplistic kind of guy when it comes to like well, my, my rifles. And plus, you got mine to try out first, so you can. Well, so you had a better idea what you liked and didn't like versus mine. Yeah. And one of yours was your hand is really skinny. I want a bigger one. I'm like, just find one. Yeah, exactly. So. And the good thing about that is it was like the, the older version. So it was actually cheaper, cheaper to yeah. get. Because everybody wants the little skinny every, one. Everyone like, wants, wants the new one. Like, I don't care. I, I, I want the older one because it's bigger. It's yeah, my yeah exactly. It's like you holding a pencil you know, in your hand. It's like, <laughs> what the? I can't close my hand on this. And exactly. Then, you know, the, the big one's like... I mean, the big one for you is like the little one for me. It fits in your hand just right. Exactly. So yeah, I remember that. We went. Remember, we went over and put it together, and it's like, okay, I told you, you know, you, for you to learn it, you have to do it. Yeah, and 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 I found that I've pretty much ever since then I've just shot that in matches because mm-hmm. well I've shot pistol matches for years. Right. So it's like it's something new. It's something different. I don't get a lot of training with my rifle anyway, so it's right. it's fun kind of training for that, but. It, I've also found out that I'm a lot better with a rifle than I am a pistol. Everybody like, is. I'm not that good with a pistol. Well, the thing you got to look at it kind of like this is is we've been shooting these for a while. We've been keeping ta- tabs on you know what is better, a pistol or a carbine. Uh, the close quarter stuff, I'm out to about seven yards. The pistols are a little bit faster than the 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 rifles the pccs at that distance just because they're easy they're portable they're hard the 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 rifles are harder to get around these barricades so when you get heavy barricade laden uh, courses of fire set up for a pistol sometimes you just can't get over there if you're right-handed on the left side you can't get the rifle over there so you have to switch the other the other hand to make them shots which makes takes up time when it's an accuracy time based uh, scenario and a lot of people have trouble doing that because of the eye dominance problem yes yes and that's why i told you get a red dot 
because you can it doesn't matter you can you know you can put the gun in the center of your chest look out you see you, you know both eyes open you don't have that problem you go to the right shoulder i mean you can literally i'm le i'm a lefty and you're a righty so i can shoot the the gun off my left shoulder with my left hand but i can also bring it around to my right shoulder with both eyes open and shoot it with my left hand so i can move that gun yeah, you, so from you side can, to side so you literally don't change what hand you're shooting with you just right. move it to the different side of your body yeah, whereas, center whereas, left whereas right. lots of people are taught to switch their hands right so if you're going to shoot on the left side of your body mm -hmm. you're going to shoot with your left hand Right. And if you're going to shoot on the right side of your body, you shoot with your right hand. Right. And, like, I've always had, like, an eye dominance problem. Yep. Because, like, you know the test that you do, like, where you put your arm, your hands up like in a diamond. Oh, yeah. And you squeeze them down so there's just a little snack, and then you, you, right. you bring it back to your eye. Like, every other time, right. it goes to the opposite eye. Right. But with the red dot, you keep both eyes open, so yeah. you don't have that problem. That's exactly. what I was saying to you. It's, it's a lot faster. Whereas, like, I've had trouble with pistol over yep. the years because my left eye wants to take dominance from time to time. Not all the time, but usually. Right. So what I've had to do is almost, like, kind of half close my right. left eye when I'm shooting pistol. Right. So I can still see out of it. I've still got my peripheral vision. Right. But it blurs out the sights enough. Cause Gives I, you what eye you want to use. Yeah, because, like, I literally yeah. get, like, ghost sights, where that's mm -hmm. pretty common when you shoot both eyes open. Right. But I also get ghost targets. Targets right. when that happens, right? And it's like it's weird. And Is it's it the like, one to the left or the one to exactly. the right? Exactly. So like I just I just kind of squint that eye a little bit. Oh, there it is. Okay, and then just start right. shooting. And so I've I've adapted it over the years, and it's no big deal. And, and like you said, when when you're shooting, like especially these like IDPA matches, a mm -hmm. lot of times you start very close to targets, right? Like like an arm's length away. And a lot of times, like you're backing up to cover, mm -hmm. and you're going to get to a wall or something. You're going to peek out and do that kind of stuff, and. It's like I'm so much faster that kind of close with yes. a pistol yep. than I am my carbine. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a matter of I haven't practiced it enough yet. Right. But it's just like I can blast through that stuff as I'm retreating, get right. to cover, and then I can start shooting. But when I get to those like 20-yard targets, I struggle with those. Yes, but yes. With, but with the carbine. Everybody does. But with the carbine, I'm oh, just that's, that's plowing easy shot. through them. Like yeah. it's just ba -ba 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 -ba, just like yeah. moving through. Like 20, oh, yeah. so much fun. <laughs> so the carbines, I mean, the other thing that you're talking about with with moving back, uh, the common thing that I see with the carbines that that's a major problem is what a lot of people have, and they have problems with pistols, but a carbine just magnifies it. They stand too close to cover. Yes, they love the crowd cover, and now they got a you know a 16 inch gun trying to get on the other side of cover, and and they're too close. So yeah. that that kills a lot of people's score because that is they're the biggest, way up to that up, is the way up on biggest cover. thing I see with yeah. new people, and every time I like taking new people out shooting. Like especially you know, these competitions, I always mm -hmm. tell them, do not crowd cover. Stay yep. back further yep. than you think you have to. Yep. So you can be at full draw with your pistol, peek out, boom, boom, come right back. Right. You right. don't want to have to like be stuck up where you're like sticking it out past, shooting, and have to pull it back to your chest and come back behind cover. It's wasting time. You don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is when you're doing when you're doing these matches or even in training, you've got a 360 rule. You know, you got rules, you got a 180 rule, you got up, you got down, and you got a live r rifle that they just shot. You know, I mean, you and I, we put everything on safe, and we, if we're going to move the weapon, but a lot of these people will just take the gun and go up, and they get disqualified because they they broke the 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 safety rules. Yeah, because they're trying to get around the barricade, or they or they or they. You know, they bring the gun over and they break the rules. I mean, all they had to do is take a step back, and it just, for some reason, never goes in their brain. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I see is is guns extending past the barricade into a room where you are you have no idea what's in the room. And you'd never want to do that in actual, you know, a fight. Right. Because somebody could just grab that, and once they control that muzzle, it is essentially an, an ineffective yeah. weapon. Yeah, they own you. Yeah. Because now they've got the end of your muzzle, they got a hold of your weapon, and it's, drunk, it's, it's slung around you. 
because I remember like uh, Tony Blauer talks about this a lot, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love his stuff. And and he, he has like a dummy gun, and he used to do a lot of stuff with CrossFit athletes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So these are like big, strong guys, right. you know, and they're very athletic, and they're you know they're they're, just, they're animals, you know. Right. And, and he would do a lot of these training and stuff with them, and he's like, okay, this guy who's twenty yeah. and who's been who lifts all these weights is a lot stronger than I am. Right. And he's like, and I, and I was like, but I'm gonna grab his muzzle. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's not gonna be able to get me, right? And, and, and like what I love about him is he he breaks it down, he makes it simple, right? And he always says, okay, see this hole, don't let that hole point at you, right? Like that's easy, yeah, exactly. Like, that's where the bullet comes out of. Yeah, you don't want don't to... let that point at you. So like yeah. he would have it like next to his head, and they, they would have both hands on and the weapon, and he'd right. have you know both hands on on the muzzle of that weapon, it's like over the slide and the barrel, mm-hmm. and, and they would like try to bring it over to his head. And what he would do is just pop it up, right? Because right he, he, he didn't have to like he couldn't stop them from bringing it right one way or the other. But he would just pop it up and over his head, right? right. And he wouldn't let it like ever point at him. And it was just and he would do that with a lot of women and guys. And he was like, you don't have to be stronger than them. You just got to be able to manipulate where they're putting their energy. Well, also you, you got to think if you're extending your weapon through the through the doorway and you're you're shooting at a target and the other one comes by surprise and just snatches it out of your hand i mean you're not expecting it you're you're looking at your front sight you're doing all your fundamentals right then the next thing you know something grabs your gun points it back at you and rips it out of your hands yeah i mean that's that's why we try to tell them don't do it yeah you know or break it to the left I mean, there's a lot of reasons not to not to break the threshold of the th- of, of the of the room yeah and, and i understand a lot of these you know people who are shooting the matches are just out there to have fun yeah and have a good time and granted it's a game i get it it's a game we're playing a game i understand but i want to try to make that as realistic as possible for myself to get good training well, we've talked about this you know i mean sometimes you if you you can play the game or you can use the game to learn how to run your gun exactly and like, and I usually get in trouble a lot when I go to those matches because after I'm done with the stage, I'll step out from mm-hmm. behind cover. I'll I'll check around, look look right or left or right. whatever, and I won't empty my weapon right away. Right. And a lot of times I get yelled at for that because they're like, "Hey, what are you doing? Like the, these other guys are watching you, you know, because right. you've been doing this for years and you're faster, and they're, they're going right. to try to do some of this stuff." And like, you you don't don't do that. And I'm like. I get it, but you're not right. going to have me not to. If you're going to give me a procedural for that, that's fine. If right. you're going you're to kick me off the range for that, then I'm going to go talk to the marshal well, should, because there, that's bullshit. There but should, There should be no rush ever of unloading your gun. Yeah. I mean, it should be done safe and, and through, by the numbers. And after you're done shooting, stepping by, stepping to the side, doing your clear, I mean, what does that hurt? It doesn't hurt anything, but to, to them, they're like, "Hey, right. people are watching you. They're going to try to do what you're doing." Well, so the good old so chop, chop, chop. Oh, it's, done. It's, not, it's not even just that. It's like they're, they're thinking like they they may not do it as well. They may actually turn the weapon with them and make it unsafe mm-hmm. and do all that kind of stuff. Like I get it, but right, like I, I, no, it's just. But I, I can remember. I mean, I think I've talked about this before. It's I can remember shooting a, a match at a, at a place where I was actually doing training with mm-hmm. with Jeff Wilson, like who was one of our right. favorite guests on the show. And and he was setting up this course where you were going between your primary and your secondary. Right. So, so you would you would start with your primary, and you would you would put it on safe, sling it. Yes. And you'd take out your secondary and you'd shoot the things. And you right. would put that back in your holster and you grab your primary again. Transition drills. You go back over like you're doing. Yes. So it's so like there's doorways essentially. Mm-hmm. So this doorway is primary. This doorway is secondary. This right. Is you're moving left to right. Right. And I can remember watching my father-in-law. We were out shooting. We were doing a lot of shooting back then. It's when I first started shooting matches. I've been mm-hmm. shooting matches for maybe a year or two at that point. 
and took some classes with Jeff and learned a lot and it was it was fun but he actually had like more it wasn't a game it was more based on training yes yes and and that's why I loved the matches that he did I wish I could which he still did them, you know, but tactically, the, tactically correct matches. The problem is that he would have a lot of people come in who are gamers and mm-hmm. try to game the system, yes. all three gun shooters. Right. And he's like, I'm done with that shit. Like, I, I mean, there's places for all of this. I mean, the, the but the context is what, what's yeah. important. But I can remember like my father-in-law, he, he got done with the secondary. Mm-hmm. He's already got his rifles like slung on right. safe and everything. And he literally dropped the mag, pulled the slide back to show clear and realized, oh, shit. Because yeah. he trained that in right. IDPA matches where it's just you get done, you drop the mag, you show clear, you pull the hammer, you holster, you do those kind of things. And and it's like I, I can literally remember him watching him do that. And like, oh, this is why. Yeah. Like you, you literally fight how you train. Exactly. You know, you, exactly. You, it's, it's not going to be like this magical thing like, oh, right. well, I'll know not to do that in a gunfight. Like, no, you won't. No. You'll do what you've done. You'll go back to your, your level of training. Exactly. What, whatever, you do in, whatever you do in gunfights – you're going to do what you did in training. It's going to come back to you. And like, I, I think we had this discussion before you, when you get under stress, a lot of people have something in their mind, like telling them, settle down, do, you know, do it this direct, you know, follow your, you know, basically your steps of your training. Go back to the fundamentals. Yeah. It goes back to your fundamentals. You hear your drill sergeant in your head say, Hey idiot, you know, slow down front sight, press, you know, slow it down. Yeah. And I think that's something that I really struggle with. I find that when I'm shooting a lot, mm-hmm. It doesn't become so much of an issue, but when I don't, like now, like I literally haven't shot since last year sometime. Right. I'm going to go out and shoot a match or go do some training or do something soon. Hopefully, you and I will get right. to go do that. Yeah, we'll eventually. get that. We'll actually link up and have actually a free hit day hit one together. of these this year, yeah. But uh, it's like I've, I've really got to just stop, focus on the fundamentals, don't worry right. about going fast because right. I'm already going to be fast. I'm already right. pretty – Smooth I'm, as I'm, slow. I've, I'm, I've done sorry. that enough. Smooth as fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, I've done that enough where I know how to draw. I know how to reload. Right. I know how to do those things. I can move the courses. I mean, I can show up now and I can see a course and like right. I know exactly how I'm going to shoot this. I don't have to right. think about it. You know, whereas like the USPSA, a lot of the matches I've been shooting there, like those guys, like they walk through and they look at all the little targets and they and they count their shots and they're doing right. this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's not me. Like that's it, what's always funny is they count their shots and then somewhere in there they miss. And then everything that they just did in their mind is gone. And you watch them just fall flat on their face. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that at the at the uh, steel match. Steel match we shot last year. Yeah. The guy who like, you know, he planned it out perfect and then missed a shot and then he made up his shot, so now his count was all wrong, and at the end, he missed, what, two or three targets. I, f- I forget, but yeah. yeah. He went from whipping our ass yeah, to the to, to bottom. Yeah, because at that point, it's like, do you reload, or do you just take, right. take your penalties and move on? Right. And, you know, like, whereas I'm like, I'm there to shoot, so like, right. I'm going to reload, and right. I'm going to do that kind of stuff. It's no big deal, but like, when, when I get back into it, I've really got to just front sight, squeeze, right. squeeze, squeeze, have that surprise break. Cause right. Like, well, here's actually something I wanted to talk to you about. I've been listening to a podcast with uh, Andy Stump called Cleared Hot. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, an ex-operator, uh, SEAL team, like three or six or four. He's been a couple, something right. like that. I don't remember exactly. Um, and he's been talking about, he's picked up archery. Okay. And he's always talking about the correlation of like how things are similar. Right. And like, and I've not, not done a lot of long distance shooting and mm-hmm. I, I want to get more into that. And, um, and I've realized very quickly is like, I am fast and accurate. Or fast and effective, right. I am not accurate. Like I really need to work on those fundamentals. Whereas I've always kind of thought, especially with the pistol stuff, is like I want to know exactly when my round's going off. Like I've shot that mm-hmm. enough. I know where my wall is. Right. I know I know where my break is. I know where my reset is. I've done those and drills. You can, you enough. can also call your shot. 
Exactly. Like I, I know when it's going to go off, and I want to make it go off when I want to make right. it go off. But he's been saying, like, no, like you want it to be a surprise all the yes. time. Now, yes. you still want to pretty much be able to know about when it's going off right. and all those kind of right. things. But they were talking about that specifically with the archery because they've been working with John Dudley, who's one of the best archers in the world. And, um, and he's got this kind of release where you pull through it yep. and then it goes off. So it's like a surprise. So, so you, for those, you pull back and you get set and then you kind of use like the back, uh, your back muscles, like mm-hmm. your traps and stuff. You kind of pull, 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 and it just goes. Yes. So that way you're not getting that trigger anticipation, which is something that I do. We all do. Yes. You try to fight that with your body. You try to throw right. the gun down to, to, to mitigate the recoil. Yes. But, I mean, do you really want it to be a surprise at all times? Is, is that kind of the key, especially of the, of the marksmanship, so to speak? It, it kind of depends because when you're, when you're shooting, you're going to have the arc of angle, which is the figure eight your hand normally does. Yeah. Right? Because like when, when you're focused on your front right. sight, it's always right. moving. It's, it's never always moving. completely steady. Right. See, the, 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 the trick of it is it's always doing a figure eight out there, right? And what they're telling you by surprise is you should be – you shouldn't be anticipating that figure eight trying to hit it exactly in the middle. You should be squeezing kind of through that figure eight and it should be going off in the center, but you're slowly squeezing. And if it doesn't quite go off in the center, you're still going to hit the target effectively. The thing of it is, is everything with your body timing, everything to go in that figure eight. But even if you're, like he says, the surprise goes off, you should be squeezing, squeezing, so it should go off kind of, you shouldn't know exactly, you know, in that X where it goes off. You do it a lot, you start getting it where you can hit that dead center of the X a lot. You can kind of time it out. That's, that's, that's what a lot of good shooters do. But like you said, if you do it too much, you get too used to it, and then you start flinching because yeah. you're trying now you're anticipating, the, anticipating when you're going to break yeah. that shot so if it if you're doing it like that and you get into the groove and you can hit it dead center the thing of it is is you come back the next season you're a little out then you're all over the place yeah so kind of like they always said to us you should be squeezing through you should be anticipating it hitting in that that area the x when it crosses but it doesn't always have to be dead in the center. So you're kind of squeezing through it. It'll be surprised in that where the X meets where it goes off, which which is kind of in, counterintuitive, but most of the time you're not jerking it, trying because you see it going to hit the center of the X. You're like, oh, crap, I made it through that, that arc angle. Now I'm going to jerk the trigger, and that's yeah. usually what causes people to go everywhere. And I think that's like the big problem that I've had, especially with those longer targets mm-hmm. in IDPA, because, I mean, a lot of times those close ones, right. you're not really aiming. Right. You, you, you kind of point, you use your fundamentals, and you're yeah. just popping off rounds because even if you hit, like, like you said, you're shooting right. that figure eight, let's say, because right. it's a, for those people listening can't see, it's right. like, it's it's like a sideways horizontal ace. So you got yeah. kind of loops yep. on the right or the yep. left, and you yep. got an X in the middle. You're trying to hit. Yep. But even if you're on complete right or the complete left, you still you're still zero gonna, down. Yeah, you're still going to hit your target because there's an eight inch round in the middle of the target. Right. And right. You're two yards away. Exactly. I mean, anybody can do that. I mean, most people at that distance don't even look at the figure, uh, the arc of angle. They just stick the front sight, see the front sight in the middle of it, and pull the trigger. Yeah. Like I, I what I do is I try to point my thumbs right. and right. just squeeze the rounds off like. Bah, bah. Right. And remember this. I mean. Distance equals you have to do everything fundamentally correct. So up close, you can really jerk the trigger, and it, you don't see a re, uh, instant response because you're close. I mean, you're not going to move your hand out of eight inches, and honestly, we've seen people do it. But for the seasoned shooter, you should be able to crank off th- two or three rounds at 
at two yards and not have to really worry about any fundamentals. Yeah, they're essentially other than keep your front sight in the middle. They're essentially going to be a four or five inch diameter circle. Like all yes, those, yes, they're all yes. going to be combat effective. Yeah, but if you move out to fifteen yards, that doesn't work at all. No, because, yeah, I mean because that, that's where you really need to think. Okay, front sight, right. squeeze, 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 or right. press, press, right. press, right. or whatever it is that is, is a good cue. But it even for gets you. even gets worse at twenty five. Now you got to make sure your front sight's even with your back sight. There's even even space between the you know if you have the sights that are a little bit bigger and you can see uh see through the through it and see the front sight that's even got to be equal on either side yeah. so you got to do a lot more things your trigger control has to keep that gun straight if you heel down it goes low if you jerk it back it goes back you know all those you know the the whole dial you see of things you do wrong that's a 25 yard dial yeah so there's a, everything you do at 25 and out with a gun has to the more perfect you have to be in your fundamentals to put rounds in center. Yeah, because like as I know me, it's like inside ten yards, you know, I, I can rock the pistol, no big deal. Yep. That's, that's no problem. But outside of that, I've really got to just slow down and work on those fundamentals and just right. front sight, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Like here we go, because if I try to rush and shoot them like right. those ten yard ones, like it's just I'm barely even going to hit the the cardboard target, let alone like hit good shots. Right. It, it, really it's seven yards and in you're really instinctive shooting yeah I mean, you can look point, and you can hit if you if any i mean if you're it's just like anything else you have right. to practice that but yes. once, once you get good at that yeah like a lot of times i get to 10 yards and i think oh yeah i've actually got to look at my front side yeah now. exactly i gotta i gotta <laughs> do a mo- little bit more i've actually you know? got to like focus here yeah i mean that goes into the whole thing you know years ago i came up with a thing called the sight continuum and it's nothing more than using what what the fastest method of making a shot you know and the good thing the good thing about it is you know instinctive shooting slash point shooting in in aim fire it's not an either or it's an integrated system so the closer you are the less you have to do the fundamentals correctly so i can look and just by looking at a spot i want to hit like the, you got reebok on your on your shirt i should be able to look at the b and i should be able to hit the b you know from where we are and it, that's even out to about five six yards i should be able to look because in gunfights you're going to be staring at you know you, you've heard accounts i was looking at his button i hit his button i don't know how i did it well this is all eye hand coordination so that's really the secret of, of point shooting instinctive shooting is building the eye hand coordination the point i'm looking at and the point my bullet is hitting if you do drills you can put those at the same point i mean within a within a you know a, a fist size group you should be able to fist size group just by using your eyes and this is what people say it's voodoo and all this stuff it's really easy i mean you can you can do this really quickly, and it allows you not to have to bring the gun up to your eyesight, which, you know, economy of motion. If I can rock it out and hit hit the B from, from you know, from a close retention or a half-hip position, I'm a lot faster than you coming out and trying to trying to extend the gun at me. Yeah, so, exactly. So it's like all – Pull it up to your yeah. chest, get both your hands on it, press yep. out to the target. Yeah. Do all the stuff that we're taught. Which which is great for like we were talking about those long distance shots where you got to do everything correctly. But at close quarters, if I come out at the distance we are and I yeah, the, the, I the, put my gun out to you, I'm like giving it to you. Yeah, the first one to get rounds on target's going to win that one every yep. time. Yep. So that's where it goes back to. So you know, I mean, you've got you've got instinctive shooting which has its place, which integrates into it with a kite with the sight continuum. If you know, use the fastest method, but you know, but it, the default is the sights, right? If I know my sight fire is going to hit, that's my default. However, time and distance is what's going to determine ultimately what I use. Other words, if I'm close to you, I don't have time because we're close. If I take too long, what are you going to do? 
you're just going to step forward and take the gun from me and beat yeah. me with me. Either. Or you're going to draw your own gun and shoot me, right? And we're just talking, we're not talking adding movement into it. So time and distance. Well, at the same time, can you do an instinctive shot at 25 yards? There's distance in there. So you can't, you know, it's kind of like a guide for distance and time to re- respond. If I'm standing behind cover, you know, everybody says, everybody asks this, well, you know, there's the whole thing about Cirillo, you know, his, he did it this way. And this person says he saw his sights. This person didn't see its sights. You know, you got all this, all this controversy in there and everybody wants to put it into one little bucket and say, this is, this is the way we're going to do it. Well, gun, gun battles are unique and different. Everyone has a different circumstances so if i'm standing there behind cover and i'm waiting you for the suspect to come out what are you going to use whatever distance because i'm behind cover i've got a gun you walk out and i'm saying police freeze drop it right and you go for your gun i want to be i'm gonna have my front sight right in the middle of you i'm going to be sighted in and i'm going to shoot you when you when you bring up your gun to shoot me right yep i mean it's just it's i call it ambush right i've got all the time in the world so why not use my sights however if we walk around the corner and we see each other Right. And we're standing there equal. You know, and this is the other thing that you kind of got to go into is with with gunfight. It's uh, my my brain goes blank when I got to say it, but it, <laughs> it happens. Uh, initiative. Right. Equal initiative. There's three kinds of initiatives. There's there's you take the initiative, preemptive strike, or there's equal initiative where we both see each other. And then there's behind the reactionary curve where they've taken initiative and you've got to get inside their OODA loop. So this is why gunfights are different because of the of the circumstances around it. So if you got equal initiative, the faster guy that uses economy of motion usually is the is the fastest. We're just talking equal me standing to you. The faster draw wins. Yeah. Correct. So we're talking like two to three yards apart. Yeah. I mean, we come around the corner, we see each other. That's equal initiative. However, if I see you and I'm dealing with you and I walk up and I start, you know, I know you're going to go bad. And I know that you're a bad guy. Am I and, and you're armed and you're dangerous? Am I really going to let you draw first? No, absolutely not. Um, yeah. So this is called you take the initiative. Either you draw out and you tell them to get on the ground, or you draw out and you shoot them. That's 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 taking the initiative, preemptive preemptive strikes. This is this is where you win. So then there's behind the reactionary curve. I mean, you're the dude's already drawing out. You know, this is where you're just kind of. You're behind the rack. You got to get in your older loop. You got to do something. This now, is what, now, for people who don't know what that is, what's the. That's the whole Boyd thing on Top Gun where observe, detect, orient, react, kind of de- that kind of deal. So there's there's steps that your mind go through when so, you, when so you get into something. So it's kind of like this, this big loop that you go around. Yep. Like you go from one to the next to, to the, the next, next to, to the, the next, next to the next. You have to make your decision yes. of what you're going to do. And what Top Gun did in, in that whole thing is what they said is if you see a stimulus. Instead of trying to do all that, decide what you're going to do, come up with a plan of action, you already have one in your head. So this is why training comes in. So, so, so you've already kind of made up your mind. Yes. And once you see that, it triggers it. Yep, boom, you do like it. you're right onto it. So if I come up and I'm behind a reaction at cor- curve and I see you start to draw, so I'm not going to – and I, and you see this in training all the time. You see two people, one guy dra- draw, starts to draw, and the other guy tries to beat him. Right. Which you can't outdraw a drawn weapon. You, you, yeah. You I mean, you, you can't. Right. You know, if he's gonna, if he's preempting you and you're going to draw out and you're going to hit him. However, what I started seeing by watching training and, and watching this, these guys in simunitions, the guy who roots, which stands there, even if he's going to draw and the other guy usually moves at a 45 degree angle really fast and he draws the guy's like, what the, and now he's got to track this guy and the guy just comes out 
hits him as he goes by at about, you know, he goes, he's, he basically runs 45 degrees to the left or the right, and as he passes, he draws and he shoots him. Okay. And this is, I mean, I've watched it and watched it and watched it, and people do this, the people are like, what the heck? You know, because they're, they root and they think I got you. So it's and, almost like interrupting their OODA yep, loop. And exactly. You, and so they haven't planned for what you're going to do. Right. So now they're behind the eight ball. Right. So they're trying to figure out what the heck is this guy doing? This isn't, this isn't what we've always done. He's not just stood He's there. He's not going to just stand and let me shoot him. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what the, you know, and now the guy's, you know, moving and he draws and he just shoots him as he goes by. And they're like, what the heck? So this is the stuff you got to think about getting, you know, different kinds of way. And, you know, and the other thing we teach, you know, in, in a robbery is you, 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 you get, you wait till they get complacent. If they're taking your wallet, you, you know, do ruses, come up and say, Hey, you know, I don't got this, drop your wallet. You know, a lot of people carry their gun where their wallet is. So they're sitting there expecting you to comply and now you're moving and shooting them. So there's different, there's different methods into doing it. But the, the fundamental in gun battles is, is there, there's you, you preempt it, you take the initiative, equal initiative, or behind reactionary curve. And this is why these gun battles go so different. Because if you just look at it on paper, you know, suspect cop or, you know, suspect citizen, it's just it's one-dimensional. You don't know who got the other one. What, did, did, the, did the good guy decide, well, here comes the bad guy. I know he's a bad guy. I know he's going to rob me. So I'm not waiting around for him to pull the gun. I'm just going to move. I'm going to pull my gun. Right, so now he's reacting to the bad guy. So there's all these different, different things in gunfights that you don't ever think about when you're when you're looking at them. And you got everybody saying, "Well, this guy said he used his sights. This guy says he doesn't. Who's right?" Well, you got to take the totality of the circumstances and put it down and look at all the small pieces of it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where you get into a lot of these gunfights when you start looking at it, and people just never. You know, they all want to bandage it, you know, in a little package. Yeah, this is, say it's this always is one the package. same. This is what you do. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's, it, it, it's an ever-evolving thing. It always is. And tactics are, you know, you hear, well, this is tactics there. Tactics kind of go circular, right? So if, what, what do you mean? If So if, I, if I'm teaching you to do tactic A, right, you always have a million people out there saying, okay, we got to counter tactic A. So they make tactic B to counter tactic A. Well, then you got B, A, and B, so you make C to counter B, and then all of a sudden you just keep going, and now A comes back to counter, you know, D. Yeah. So this stuff is this stuff was always moving; it's always flowing based on, on the on the tactics. But you'll see stuff that's 30 years ago or 50 years ago come back to be popular. You know, that's that's the funny things because you know we've we've gone from where point shooting is part of a curriculum to it's shut off it, you know it's it's voodoo it's bad now it's come back you know it, it a lot of times it goes with combat right so we train a soldier to this is what you need for combat when you know real combat learning curves go up you know in real combat you add a lot of stuff that that you think that's necessary to prepare the guy for real combat yeah then we you know like world war ii vietnam you know the the you know, even even Top Gun. You know, you got all these things to prepare the person to actually survive that first ten minutes of, of battle, so they can start learning from their mistakes. So, if at, in peacetime, you know, you've got all the 
bureaucrats and the bean counters, they all look at it and go, oh, well, do we really need this? And they cut it down and they cut it down and they cut it down. And the first thing that always goes is a lot of the firearms programs because let's, let's face it, that's one of your high rates of, of failure, right? So you're spending money to put these people through. So they cut it down, they cut it down. So now everybody gets through in an effective manner. Do they know combat? No, but they know how to do what, what, what the bean counters have never been to combat decide that they need to do. Like exactly. EEO versus, oh, what do we have money for? EEO, it's a classroom. It costs just five bucks. Oh, oh, what, what's that? Equal opportunity uh, training. You know, you know, don't say the wrong things like I normally do. <laughs> you know. You don't know. be offensive to everyone because they've yeah. got sensitive little it's sensitive, feelings. Yeah. These people are going, you're, you're paying these people out to go out to kill people, but we got to worry about everybody's feelings. So <laughs> it's kind of an oxymoron like military intelligence. So, you know, I mean, you got them going out there and doing that stuff. But, you know, it's important, but it shouldn't cost well, this is going to cost us X amount of money to send them out to do range. We might have an, we might have failures. We might have injuries. And then we got, what do we do with these people? So this is what always happens. And, and this is what I saw when I was in a training bata- battalion after after Desert Storm. I when you were in the military. In, yeah, I was in the military. So they, I went to a training battalion, and I watched our curriculum get chop, 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 get them through faster, get them through. And and we remember we talked about stress cards and things like that. So I watched that curriculum get cut down, right? So I had just gotten out, uh, you know, I'd gotten out of the reserves and I'd been sitting there. And I had talked about how we used to teach instinctive rifle shooting for clearing close quarters, clearing of buildings and how, how I'd used it. And uh, we got back to when we went back in Iraq, all of a sudden it came up with a new... PC name, reflective fire, came in. How to how to fire by using your front sight of your rifle, not a full sights, or looking over your rifle and shooting. That all came back in and started getting taught again. So we watched fundamental things. Get, I mean, here's another thing, tourniquet. It was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, no, it kills people. Now tourniquets is back. I mean, you watch these, these, these ebbs and flow in training. So not everything that's old is bad. It's just kind of lost its... People that n- knew why it was there, a lot of those people leave. It's that, a three-monkey theory. That becomes the real problem. Mm-hmm. Is that people forget why they were doing it right. in the first place. Exactly. And then you've got to figure that back out again. That's the right. problem Like with a lot of, a lot of the training right. when, it's, when, it's, when it's peacetime. Yes. Yeah. You, you, yep. You've lost all your war dogs. They, right. Those people should be running the training, not the yep. fucking bean counters. Right. It's I mean, ridiculous. I mean, the government's all like that. So, you know, we go through, you take, you know, the government's really bad at, favoritism and you know who looks the best versus who's got the knowledge so what you do is you have a training you have a training division even even in the big the big agencies is you'll have a guy that talks the talk looks the look but is dumb as a box of rocks and they all sit there and go oh we're going to put him in training and we're going to put him in charge of training and then he does stuff like oh today we're going to do bjj well where's handcuffing now oh, we don't need that it's all going to go to the ground anyway so nobody gets handcuffing nobody gets anything in officer presence we don't get to use the stick we don't get to use the hands everything starts at the mount i mean i don't know how many cops start their day at the mount right and i mean i'm not saying it's bad bad training well, it's, it's good training to have but that should right. be secondary yeah to what I mean, your actual job is handcuffing right. perpetrators like, controlling them on the ground that yeah. kind of stuff like i like to say there's five steps to our training for for 
hand-to-hand stuff, you know, defensive tactics. It should start with officer presence, handcuffing, hitting them with your hands and feet, fighting, and then fighting with your with your intermediate weapons, and then ground fighting. Yeah, which is like your Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yeah. like your BJJ. Yeah, which I yeah Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So it's it's got its place, but it shouldn't it shouldn't start as your number. You know, like your hand. If it's your thumb, it shouldn't start as number one. It it should be part of an overall yeah. better program. It's and, the same like if you're a police officer and you yes. carry a, a your primary weapon is your handgun. That's what yes. you have on you all the time. Right. Like, you should start your training there. You don't start mm-hmm. training with your shotgun, which is back in the right. cruiser. Right. Because you got to fight your way back there to get it. Right. And you should start your training with your pistol right. because that's your primary weapon. Or just saying, oh, it's all going to go bad. You're going to use your shotgun anyway, so we're not going to train you on your pistol. That's just for ludicrous. looks. It's ludicrous. Yeah. yeah, so this is what you get into the training is is it's a guy who who basically looks the part, looks great, he comes in the agency and everybody goes, "Oh, look at him! He's got he's got the he's got the operator operator goatee and look, he's got the tat sleeve and he's a badass looking yeah, dude. Yeah, he's got yeah, some he, scars on his face. Yeah, he's look at him. He lifts weights every day. He's so, in man, shape. He's got yeah, a six yeah, pack. Yeah, we're gonna put him in in charge of training. And then he goes up there and goes, "Well, we're gonna do what I what I do off off time. We're gonna do Brazilian jiu jitsu. Everybody we're put teach their everybody. knees on. We're gonna roll around. Yeah, exactly. So this is what this is the problem with training today. Yeah." is a lot of times they're buying into the image versus the knowledge. And this is what this is why you're seeing some of the, the crazy things in training these days. Again, the real problem with that is it's because the people who aren't actually doing that job right. are making the decisions for what yep. they're actually going to do. Like in right. another podcast I listened to, the Jocko podcast, Jocko mm-hmm. Willink talks about when, when he came back, he was a task unit commander in Ramadi. Right. A task, task unit bruiser, which was kind of like a famous yeah. you know, task unit over there. They did a lot of shit. Like it was when it was like really bad in Ramadi. Right. And um and he and he came back and then he got put in charge of training, which right. was good oh, because yeah. he like ran through all that stuff. Now granted, right. he did make a lot of his guys do jujitsu. Right. Because a lot of times they would go into houses and do clearings and, yes. and he didn't want them striking them with their weapons because like right. back then like their their whole philosophy was we'll hit him in the face with the butt of your weapon. They're, they'll stop. And they're going to comply with what it, you want to do. We did that. And like, well, actually, no, because they're just going to get mad because you hit them in the face. Like, right. what you need to do is take them down without right. hurting right. them, right. control them so you can tie them up or zip tie them or do whatever. Right. And then you can conduct the rest of your investigation. Yeah, if the first guy hits him with the butt of the weapon, right, the other two should be zip tying and controlling him. Exactly. Right. So, so, so he did make a lot of the guys right. do that. But, again, it was a secondary thing. It was like, hey, yep. because this isn't working, right. we needed these other things. Right. But he, t- he talks about this a lot in his podcast where he would put these guys through training, and his whole idea mm-hmm. was to make training way harder than anything they were going to exactly. see. And he's like, we're going to do these kill houses. I'm going to have these, right. I'm gonna have these points. I'm gonna, we're going to like make them like work their commands. And right. we're going to come through and like, okay. So I know like this whole team right. knows about when this guy's going to make the call for right. the command. Right. And just before that, we're going to take him out. But, like you're dead. You yeah, get, exactly. Like, and we're going to pull yeah, him out of training. And now, yeah. and now like everybody's waiting for the command, but nobody's going to make a command. Right. Because like, oh, the guy who's going to make it just got shot. He's right. dead. Right. So he's, he's ineffective now. And, and he, he he said he had so many people who would come back from tours in Iraq or Afghanistan mm-hmm. or wherever they were at, and they would say, "Dude, thank you so much." Because right. we we got into like a firefight like the second day we were out there, right? And, and it was way easier than anything yeah, exactly. you put us through. Exactly. But you know, I mean, you got to look at that. I mean, he's 
he was training elite warriors. Yeah, but not to mention, right. he was there. Right. He exactly. knew what worked. He exactly. knew what didn't work. Exactly. He, talked, he talked to all of his team leads who were right. running there. Because exactly. he, wasn't, he wasn't out there in the fight. He was coordinating all those guys to go out and do yep. their job. Yep. That was his job at that point. And so. that's where that's where experience trumps these, this uber look, you know. Yes. In, in, I, now, I, I will I, say, when I see a picture of Jocko, that's right. like – Every seal I want, I can imagine. I want him to look like that because right. that looks like a badass dude right. who doesn't take any shit from anyone. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's what you expect in the seals. Not everywhere else. Not everywhere. Else. I mean, you know, we're talking, we're talking local, state, and federal law enforcement. You're not. Yeah. I mean, the the problem of it is, is that look. I mean, he has he has the look. He has that. But you know, look at all the time they. You know, when I was in the military and I was doing that. You know, we looked a whole lot different than. When civilian life, you know, yeah. civilian life, you know, especially when you spend your life doing undercover ops and yeah, doing you, things you like that. You have to blend in and yeah. be accepted. If by you look like else. him and went around walking around talking to people, I'd be like, "Who are you? What what the heck is you know?" Yeah, you look a little suspicious when you're high <laughs> and tight, you know. So you know, I mean, everything does it, and you know, and and you get older, and and looking like that gets a lot harder. But what I'm trying to say is. You know, a lot of what Jocko says rings true. It's just like at a higher level yes. of, 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 of craziness. You know, I mean, these are guys that, you know, are, you know, supposed to drink gasoline and piss napalm. Yeah, right? their, and, their job is to yeah. be an operator. Yeah. That they, is their they, job. I mean, they get, they get, I mean, we get three measly hours a, a week to work out. They get three measly hours a day to work out. I mean, they're, they're definitely at the top of their game. I mean, as but, they should be. I yeah. Because if not, they don't come home. But we, but then on the, on the opposite, universe you've got local law enforcement officers who qualify once a week i'm sorry not, i'm sorry once a year yeah which is you know. just ludicrous yeah. yeah once a year they qualify and they're qualify if you you and i went out and did their qualifications stage you'd be like what the heck yeah i would smoke through it yeah i was like well, well actually when i took my class with jeff we took a carbine class mm-hmm. like back when we when i first met him right you know, it was like he ran me through like part of the qualifications for like a police officer right. to carry a carbine in their car instead mm-hmm. of a shotgun and I blew through it. Right. It, it was like, just it? it was just part of the class, like on the, one of the last days when we were just dicking around having fun. It's like, right. okay, well, let's let's test, let's see where you're at, let's before and after, let's let's right. see how we're doing. Right. And and I, so I remember like blowing through that. It's like that's all you have to like. That's it. Like, yep. oh yeah, like yep. if, you, if you could do that, you could carry a carbine in your in your cruiser. I'm like, do you have to do that like every year? Like, oh, I think right. maybe you have to qual once a year, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But it's like you don't have to go out and shoot a bunch and do all this other kind of stuff we were doing. Like we were doing all kinds of shooting drills and mm-hmm. and up and like we like there was this one drill that I remember doing, and we had we had barrels set up on either side of the range, a hundred yard range. So you're working your way up. Right. They were like every maybe twenty yards or something. Mm-hmm. So there were, there was there was two set up like right down the middle. Right. Like so they're they're probably like you know twenty yards apart, whatever it was. And I had you know there was a guy shooting on the right, and then I was shooting on the left, and he would move up to the barrel, and like I was covering while he was moving, and mm-hmm. then once he got to there, then he started shooting, and then I was moving up right. to that same barrel. Exactly. So we were doing this whole time. So, mm-hmm. so we also did that going backwards as well, and I, I can remember like getting to the front, and like the SO, the guy who's running the stage is Ed, right. who no longer w- works with Jeff. Um, he's, he's just since moved on to other things, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like walking in the middle, so. So right. at all so, times, he was in, in front of both of us, right. watching us and what we were doing. Right. And we got up to the front, and he's like, hey, did it make you nervous that I was in front of you on the range? Oh, a lot of people, Because most people, they would yeah. never have that, ever. Right, right. right. It's like, no, because I, I know myself. I, right. I trust what I'm doing. I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's it's a safe, sta- like, static range. Like, like yeah, is there right. a possibility for me to come over there and sweep you? Maybe. But right. I know that you're there, and I know where I'm moving, so it's not going to be a problem. So, no, it didn't bother me at all. 
Right. But, but a lot of people, people, that bothers them. That would freak them out, especially in like law enforcement. Like, uh-huh. those guys would never train like that. But you, but it happens in real ops. Exactly. And they, they have to train like that. Right. You need to be able to do but that. But a lot of them don't get it. And, and this is in, the, unless they honestly, unless they yeah. spend their own money, exactly. and go do their own training, right? And I know that. And then you talk about Jocko. I know another one that does it. Like Dave Harrington has these different. Uh, uh, Super Dave has like one day courses where it's like invite only, and he'll go out to a law enforcement department and run them through pistol. Where's he pistol. based out of? He's based out of Florida. Okay. So he does. He comes out and works a lot with a lot of law enforcement. He's an ex special forces guy that came out and does it. And, there, there's know. there's a bunch of those that are yeah. making their rounds around, right. and I love to hear that. Like right. like uh, Jeff is having uh, uh was it uh, McNamara? Right. Uh, I can't think of what his first name is. Uh, I, I wanna, can't either. Right? Oh uh, man! Yeah, you put it's, put earphones. Yeah, put put earphones on yeah, me the microphone. I have open air mic. Because it's know, just Mac. It it's, uh, yeah. I want to say like Pete. It's not Pete. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, but he's having Matt and McNamara yeah. come back up right. and do some training, and they only had limited spots available because he wants right. a small class. And what I loved when Jeff told me is like ninety percent of the people signed up were mm-hmm. local law enforcement right. agents. I'm granted they might be driving three or four hours, but right. that's still local to me. And so it's like that. That's awesome. That they're having, right. you know, these guys come in and teach these kind of stuff, and cops right. are wanting to take time off their jobs, spend right. their own money to do good training. And that's, I love it. Exactly. And, and a lot of us that have done instructor stuff has done that. But uh, the kind of go on, on on another kind of tangent of this is is the problem we have is with, with law enforcement is what do you do when you take over a, a use of force program and you have to start at beginning because nobody really did it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the fundamental problem I've I've seen coming in and taking over programs is their law enforcement training wasn't really training. They they call going out, going to a static line and shooting qualifications. Oh, we did our training for today. Everybody gets a gold star. Everybody gets to go home. Yep. So this gets to be the area where you start to become the bad guy because you got to motivate all these veterans to get out there and actually work do something different yeah yeah go actually do training and actually become fundamentally yeah on the same page with all of your well what's worse about that is you've got to get them to buy into your vision exactly and almost make it feel like it's their idea right so that they can help the younger kids right so you almost have to like kind of go around and flank or, them yeah or or you just sit there and you don't come up and say we're gonna do this you kind of run them through you, you i i look at it as uh, crawl, walk, run. So you just got to get them crawling, and then you move them to walk, and you move them up to run. And they don't really realize what they're doing until all of a sudden they're like, they go to some, like we had to go down to Georgia to do training, and all of a sudden they come back to you and goes, well, that was really easy. They made it sound like it was going to be really hard, but you guys have all covered this, and I was able to do it because you've covered it in little steps, and we know what to do. Yeah. So it, it, it gets to be really real fun going into a place where you have all these old veterans that don't want to do something. And if you say, Hey, I'm changing everything and we're going to do it my way. You're just going to get, you're going to, everybody's going to turn on you like a bunch of, bunch of rabbit <laughs> raccoons in a, in a hen house. <laughs> I mean, you're, not, you're just going to be eaten alive. So what you do is just be smart. You put together your lesson plan and you take them out there in small steps. So we got to the point where people actually look forward to going out to shoot because to me, qualifications are checking a box so you know you got all these people we need to do these qualifications and we need to add this to it we need to add that to it but let's let's be let's be frank qualification is you're checking the the agency box to say you you have acceptable amount of marksmanship skills to 
check the box. So check the box and then move on and do training, real training. Like you were saying, we do transition drills. We do a lot of moving and shooting. Everything is moving and shooting. And then team shooting and, and getting people to shoot in teams. Uh, you know, you get people moving, you get people doing that, because like you say, we're going to do this in real life. Why are we not doing it in training? Yeah. And then, you know, furthermore, you can actually put with training, with the training devices like simunitions, you can actually put people doing really dangerous things that we'd say, oh, we wouldn't ever do it with a gun and put them into those scenarios with the airsoft guns so or the simunition guns. So when they shoot each other, you're like, Hey, hey, check your things. So you run them through these things so much where they become second nature. Yeah, when, hopefully you realize if you're going to have a blue on blue, right. you're going to do it in training. Right. You realize, hey, just because you think you're not going to do it doesn't mean right. you're not going to do you, it. You pick like, the two people, say, I'll never happen. You get them to do it, and they're like, oh, shit. What yeah. are, oh, this is an eye-opener. So exactly. a lot of it, you know, and then the hard part of it is is always bureaucracy and above it, you know, money, time, and then they want to they wanna, they wanna put their nose into it and getting an organized and harmonic training actual because even in where i'm at you've got you've got you've got a national and you've got you've got kind of regional people in charge and some people are heavy chargers and get real training out other people are still going to the range and going oh okay we're done for the day we're going home so i mean it gets to be it's been challenging but then you go back to you go back to the you look at the person that's conducting the training right what's their background most of the people that are hard chargers or veteran, either vet, other veteran law enforcement, veteran military, they understand training. They've done the job. They've done what needs to be on the job. A lot of them been in combat, like myself. And then you have the people who they they look at, they 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 look the part, they play the part, but have no clue what they really want to teach. Yeah. And and also they want to be popular. I mean, you, you got to look at it. You're going to be popular and let your guys barely qualify, or you're going to be. You know, you can still be popular and get your guys to qualify, but it's in, in the manner you do it. What are you doing for your own people? Exactly. So that's that's the that's the hard part with uh, with training. I mean, training is supposed to be fun. Yes. Like, yeah, you got to make it fun. There, there's there's times where it's it's hard work and it sucks right. and whatever. I get it. That's right. That's part of anything. Right. But like like you were saying, if you can kind of sneak things in there, get them crawling. Right. And then we can have some more fun. We can get them walking. Right. And then we can have the real fun. We yeah. get them running. Right. Yeah. And they, and a lot of them will do it. But, you know, I have these fights with, with you know, we got a new DT guy. And he's like, he's like a, he come, a DT guy, defensive tactics guy comes okay. in. You know, he's a new kid. He's like 20 years. You know, he's I shouldn't say 20. I, he feels like 20 now. <laughs> he's probably, you know, 25, 26 years old. They come, they, you know, they come out of the academy. They're all real buff. And, they, you know, because they've been, I mean, they haven't. They're young. I mean, they're they're just full of piss and vinegar, and here yeah. they come. And they're like, well, I don't like your system, and we're going to change this, and we're going to change this, and we're going to change this. And it's like, listen, guy, you know, this is – I look at them, and like, you know, some of these people up in their 50s, some of these people in their 40s, some of these people are in their 30s, what you need to do is do an integrate it, and you need to get these people up, you know, from from crawl to walk to run. You just can't start at run with a bunch of people that never knew how to crawl. Yeah. So I'm always having these conversations with the younger guys saying, mentoring them into, listen, listen, you can take, you can take my office and you can start at run. If you go cross country to, to Sacramento and take that office, they're not at run. They're barely at crawl. So, you know, it, it's all the minute you go in there and try to make them run, you got injuries, you got problems, you got complaints, you got all this stuff. So you got to kind of, you got to, you got to figure out a way to trick them into doing what you want them to do. Yeah. So that's a lot of the, 
a lot of you know experience and and getting people to do things without really them knowing it and this is the difference in the military it's just like you don't have to like it you just have to do it yeah because you know? you're told what yeah. to do and yes sir right. no sir and, and you've been doing it all the time and you know that's the that's the advantage like i said is with jocko i mean he's got he's got a he's got a motivated team that wants to kick ass exactly and they and they've done this stuff and they train this stuff the the hard part is when you go from that to to this and you're like this is my class. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy moly. Oh gee. You know, and, and it takes a little bit of being an, an instructor in actually making your mistakes early on. You know, I, I went through this whole thing, active shooter. We're going to take everybody out and do active shooter drills. So I took them through it and everybody did really well. Right. And then we took them to another one and we took them and we just had a door and, well, when we did the active shooter, the doors didn't have doorknobs. So we didn't have anything really to open. So they just kicked the door and they, and they went. So now we got a doorknob. And people are looking at the doorknob like it's this foreign, how do I, how do I open it? Where do I put my gun? All this stuff. So I had to stop everything and go, oh man, I, I thought I had these guys running and here's a stumble block where yeah. they're crawling. So you have to always, always remember this when you're training and you learn it by training, you know, by running people through it, you know, and, and, and looking at yourself constantly, you know, evaluating what you taught them. Because there's always the there's always somebody putting a little stick out there. Murphy's always got a little trip stick out there for you. At the, well, that's the most idea. Of the time, yeah. That's how you learn. Yeah, and you don't you're not going to learn unless you do it. And yeah, and you can sit there in a classroom and beat it in their heads all the time. Right. That's what we're doing. That's what we're going right. to until you take them out in the field well, and do some training. That was the one of the things I found at ILFE. I went down there and I was a, 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 a instructor down there for their annual training conference. And it, it it was a <laughs> Mr. Murphy visited us a lot at that one. Uh, the guy that I was supposed to help ended up going down with heat heat exhaustion, and I took over the class the second half. And his marks weren't the greatest, and my marks were a bit better. So they were kind of like looking at me like you know. And even even my friend Matt, he he's like, listen, you did a lot better job than me. You should take this over. But Matt's of the old. He he's he's like the history version of, of instinctive shooting. I mean, the guy knows things that I don't care about. I mean, I don't care who came up with it. I just want to teach people it works. Yeah. So he always tries to take this approach of, you know, I call it putting seven pounds of shit in a one pound bag, right? You can't do it. You know, these, even if you're teaching instructors, you know, you've got to be able to teach them something that they can retain. Yeah, you've Feel- got you got to keep it simple. Yes. Short, concise. Yes. Move on. Show them that it's yes. practical. Yes. And it's realistic. It's a benefit for them. Right. And they want to do it. They don't care who came up with it, why, right. what it does, and the right. statistics. They don't give a shit. Right. And that was one of the things that the guy came on and says, "Listen, if you're training people to do things, the information you give them should be should be practical in the in the exercises they're doing. So give them what they need to do, and then test them on it. Right. And this is what I see in a lot of training. So you'll just have just Join it training where you sit down and you sit in a classroom and you know it's like Charlie Brown wah 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 and I find myself looking around pulling my phone out not listening to a word they say because it's just it there's no yeah. there's nothing at the end of it other than they talk about it because I know I'm going to be tested on something that we haven't even covered so it, it gets that and that's what they're talking about these powerpoints all this stuff talking about this stuff really isn't oh, okay. training powerpoints are horrible I yeah. wish they would just go away right go but a powerpoint but a PowerPoint could be useful, like if I take you, so if I show you a, a PowerPoint, right, just a quick thing, overview, you know, I mean, we're talking 15 minutes, right? I show you an overview of, of let's just say, I'll, I'll do what I did, example of low light shooting, 
So I run through a PowerPoint. This is this is the holds, and everybody practice their holds with their flashlight in the classroom, right? But that is only one small piece of it. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be your lesson plan. Yeah. It should be a familiarization where you're sitting there and you can practice with your lights, and these are what the names are, which which you may not remember when we're out there, but you've done the positions in the classroom, you're doing that. The second part of it is I take you out out into out into the range and then you get to practice it shooting shooting a gun right the different low light techniques so boom you got your powerpoint you got you actually out there doing it right then the third part is i take all your you know we we, we go out and we do a scenario and there you are with your sims gun and your flashlight and then you have to use what we just taught you so you have you have your your classroom you have your your hands-on now you have your test on it so everything that you get tested on shouldn't be a, tr- a surprise. It should be building on the fundamentals that you got. So you use it. And, and, a lot, and it sticks in people's brains a lot more than me sitting there an hour of death by PowerPoint. Yeah. This, 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 and you're like. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I always tell everybody. And and this is this, the weird thing when in training. It's like I tell them, listen, there's not a gotcha in this training. If I show you two-man handcuffing, you are going to, at some point, there's going to be a practical on two-man handcuffing. You know, you're going to do a, a live hands-on two-man handcuffing. And if you do it the way I tell you, everything's going to be easy-peasy because this is the way you should be doing it. So everything I, in my training, when I run a training event, I everything I do in there, all the training equals to a practical at the end where they get tested on the things that they did. So they know that it's coming up and it's not a gotcha because you got people in there that do the weirdest things at these practicals, right? You know, you're supposed to do room clearing and you got a guy in outside shooting you through a window inside, right? I mean, it's important, but at the same time, if you're teaching them fundamentals of, of room clearing. Yeah, but again, let's get them walking. Yeah. Before yes, throw exactly. That so now everybody's looking for the gotcha. So you like, listen, you know, you, you know, don't worry about this fun stick on the fundamentals so this is the big issue with it you got to run you got to show them it you got to let them do hands on and then you got to test them on it that's how they that's how they you know put this in permanent memory exactly just can't say here here's your flashlight okay i did a powerpoint check box you know and then six months later all of a sudden you got to test on it (laughs) that's just not right and I see a lot of this in, in, in law enforcement. People don't understand the learning scale. And they were actually talking ab- about the learning scale on that. And, and it kind of it kind of hit Matt in the class we're doing is you can't pack all that stuff. You know, it's I know the stuff. I listen to him. I'm fascinated. But, you know, I'm a high level. Uh, you know, I'm I'm still a student of his when it comes to the knowledge yeah, of where this stuff comes back. Because you're interested in how it's going to run yeah, your training. Yeah. These cops out there don't care about that. Don't they want to know how they're going to integrate integrate this into their system. And if you're just talking about history and because so and so says it and so and so says it, you know, one of the things they got is too much name dropping, you know, under his thing. And you know, some of the stuff he does is a little more edgier than I do. Mine is listen. You take what works for cops out of the history and you bring it in and integrate it into the systems so it becomes second nature and people are going to use it people don't care about the history yeah does it work or doesn't work is, is the main the most important thing in their brain exactly 
you know you know it's like you got a toolbox that toolbox only holds so much so much stuff in it and you got to prove what you want them to put in your their toolbox is better than what they have in there exactly and if you fill the toolbox full of shit with who did it and what did it and how they did it 250 years ago they're, not they're going looking to in find there. what they want in there anyway exactly so i kind of i mean i'll tell them a little history but it's just a little it's just a little piece to so they know where to go back if they want to read more where they can find it exactly so that's you know I'll tell you what, that's actually a really good point to wrap this one up on, mm-hmm. I think, because that, that's that's a lot of, th- that's, that's a great example we can use in like a lot of different parts of our life. Yeah. You know, it's like when, you, when you're working on your toolbox. Right. Like, pick the very specific things you want in there, put right. them in there, get really comfortable with those before you start adding other stuff. Don't yep. just pack it full with a bunch of shit. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's the hard part is keeping people from packing your toolbox yeah. full of, you know, and that's another that's yeah you're right that's, that's a good place to that, start that's, another one that's great so well thank you so much for coming back on the show this is always a lot of fun i love sitting here and bullshitting with you anyway so oh, yeah we it's, always it's have a, a good time no matter yeah what. exactly if whether it's on the range or out here yeah. it's always fun damn it let's go out and do some training yeah here you <laughs> all right well, we will see you guys next time All right, well, that wraps up another fun episode. I just, I love sitting down and talking with people. And normally, I just, I kind of have all my friends. Let's be real honest. I haven't met tons of new people with this yet. Uh, hopefully, I will as the, the podcast kind of progresses forward. But I, I just, I don't know. I just, I guess I just love just having great conversations with my friends. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we normally talk about when we get together for lunch or go go hang out and go shoot or, or go do whatever so it's just it's fun to be able to just sit down uninterrupted and record it and just have a good time and not worry about things and i mean hopefully you guys are enjoying them as much as as i am and hopefully you find them interesting or we're learning some things or i mean hopefully it's not just completely boring i mean i sometimes i feel like i have nothing new to say and it's i'm just repeating myself over and over again but maybe that's just something that that i need to work on for myself and and growing more and in producing better uh, quality content for the podcast but nonetheless uh, agent tom is always a lot of fun i love sitting down with him we're going to definitely do this again soon and he wants to come back on with uh, the boys from instruments of freedom and talk some training with those guys and i think that'll be a lot of fun because they've especially jeff and tom both have very similar backgrounds i think we can have a lot of good interesting stories to be told uh, on both sides of those on those two guys if you guys are still listening thank you so much it's fun to hop online and see the the new listeners and there, there is some here and there not not a ton but it's growing and it's fun to watch that and it's it's really interesting for for me to see because again it's just me sitting down and bullshitting with my friends just having a good time so I greatly appreciate you, and please, we still need to get this out to some more people, so let's go out to Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Let's leave the show some five-star reviews, because that really gets it bumped up in the rankings and allows new people to see it. That's all we have for this week. We will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.